Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Everything that we do every day, we want to be a champion. Get your mind right and let's go. Do the little things. Win every day. It's a surplus they play so far. Everything with an attitude. Got a yes. I don't give a shit who we're playing. Dominic plays play against and make his ass play. That's our framework. That's our MO with the team. Richardson breaks free on the sideline. End zone. This is a mauling, folks. A mauling. Fear the tide, honey badger. I- Hello and welcome to another edition of the Alabama Football Podcast, powered by Bama Hammer. The tide started slow, but really had no problems dispatching Kentucky. Tom, is Alabama ready for the October gauntlet? Man, you know, at the end of last week, I told you we were just, you know, these games were a formality and, um, you know, get ready for the SEC championship. So I guess we got to get through these three games to show you that. Um, you know, Tennessee made things interesting with their uh, uh, with their disposal of the Bulldogs this past weekend. Uh, but yes, man, I think this team is I think this team is better prepared in some aspects for Arkansas, um, but in other aspects that we've spoke about, I think we're going to be tested. All right. Well, this use the Kentucky game as a proxy. Talk to me on offense. Uh, would you like? Would you not like? Would you? What stood out to you? I did not like the uh, overusage of Calvin Ridley. Uh, it's a nice headline to say that, you know, he had his best game of his Alabama career and all that's just great. And it's awesome that he had all these catches and the ball was thrown his way. But kind of like what Saban said in the post-game conference, uh, post-game press conference, you know, he said there was a lot of guys open and uh, said we had, you know, we had plays set up for certain people. The reads were not made. Uh, the balls, you know, did not go in some places where they should have. And we didn't spread the ball around. And granted, our Darius wasn't there, but he's just one guy. We got a lot of talented wide receivers. Um, and so I'd love to know if Calvin Ridley was the first option in a lot of those situations. And do we just have a young quarterback go into the safe first option? Or was Calvin Ridley a second or third option in a lot of those catches? And I don't think that was the case. Yeah, do you think that's a function of our Darius being – and it could be a mix, right? Do you think it's our Darius being out 
Do you think it's uh, Jalen, you know, being a freshman? Uh, what do you think the driving force there is? I think it's Jalen being a freshman because the second leading receiver was Joshua Jacobs as his safety valve. And he does a good job of, of finding his safety valve. He has a good vision for that. Um, but I think it has more to do with, okay, Saban has said repeatedly we have to get O.J. Howard involved. Unfortunately, O.J. Howard you know, had a stinger on those lovely blocks that we're doing because we don't have a fullback. And so, you know, you look at the, you know, Cam Sims one catch for minus one yard, right? I was glad to see Robert Foster came back, but he only had two catches. Granted, he had, you know, 42 yards is nice. Uh, but I think it has more, I think it has more to do with the freshman and his grasp of the offense than anything else. Right. You know, there's there's just something to, and you know, and we've talked about this a little bit. And we've talked about it the last couple of years, right? Because we've had a, a first time starter. You know, this is the third year in a row, right? And so some of this is this guy's a freshman, but it's the same type of circumstance where you feed them a portion of the field, and this look at this half of the field or this third of the field, or you know, we may have four guys running routes, but I want you to look at one and two, and then you know, throw it away or in this, you know, with Jalen's case, maybe run it. And so I think some of the progression will happen. You know, there was, and and you know who I'm talking about. There's this idiot guy who sits behind us at the game and it doesn't matter what happens. He's yelling at the quarterback. And so, you know, on a designed rollout, you know, and, and by nature, a design rollout, you're, you're quartering the field, you know, there's, you're taking some of the field away and on a design rollout, this guy's getting mad that Jalen didn't throw it across the field, across his body, all the way to someone that, you know, was barely open. On another play, I was specifically watching the receiver, and he yelled, you know, throw the ball where well, everybody's covered. And and so I want to be careful that, that we don't sound like that guy because that's just nuts. And, you know, there's a lot of those guys, right? But I, I do think that there's going to be some growing pains with a first-year starter, and then this one just happens to be a quarterback. But we're going to see, and last two years are evidence, right, that that Blake progressed over the course of the season. Coker progressed over the course of the season. I have every confidence, just based on empirical evidence, that we're going to see a similar uh, type progression with Jalen. Um, and so I'm kind of bullish on, do I see things I don't like? Yeah. But I see a lot of things that I do like. I mean, he came out and was a little scattershot. But then, you know, to start the th third quarter, he was 10 of 12. Is that some of that play calling? Yeah, some of it is. Is some of it, you know, just someone stepping up to the plate and and uh, and and sort of taking control of the situation? Yeah, it's a little bit of that too. So I don't know where your head is on that. Kind of, you can kind of talk 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 us through that. But I'm kind of bullish on the quarterback position. What's your thoughts? Well, I think they're, I do think they're putting less on him. You know, in the Ole Miss game, he attempted 31 passes and had, you know, 18 runs. And as we talked about, that was too much to put on a freshman quarterback. That's a lot. That's a lot. That, that is just too much. And I said after the Ole Miss game that, you know, yes, he's a talented runner. And if you want to run the ball six to eight times, I'm totally fine with that. Well, Kent State, he ran the ball seven times. And in this game, he ran the ball nine times. Right. And so six to eight, I'm okay with that. Right. Um, but I, I do think that, 
I do think that, like you said, we've, we've had a first-year starter so many times with this offense since Saban's been here. It doesn't matter whether it's a freshman. It doesn't matter whether it's a first-time quarterback. Granted, granted, a Jake – Jacob Coker had a better grasp of the of the playbook because he had been around longer, but there's still nothing like being out there under the lights and having these SEC linemen come after you. And yeah. so and so from that standpoint, um, this guy has a little bit to make up that they didn't have, you know, because they've yes. been in the system longer. Agreed. And and I do think it will come. I do think it will come for him, but and and I will say this. I see him – I do see what appears to be, from the observer, him making progressions. Like, you can clearly see him not looking at one receiver on some plays, and you can clearly see him scanning the field. Yep. We've had quarterbacks in the past who looked at one receiver the whole time and yes. and never and never looked anywhere else. We, we, okay. we, have you, we have you recorded not liking that. No, well, no coach does, right? Because right. you're telegraphing where you're going to go. And so and so I do see him doing some of that, but then on other plays, it's like back to what I said at the opening. There's no reason with the talent we have with a third-year senior tight end who was the most valuable player of the national championship before he got hurt that he should catch two catches in this game. Yeah. Two catches for 13 yards is unacceptable. We have a plethora of talent and embarrassment of riches. And I'll just say this, as good as Lane Kiffin is, and I've said how good he is, dude, you and I can name other programs that open. Okay, Ole Miss is a great example. If we went down their roster, granted they have a third-year senior quarterback. I get that. But when it comes to the talent of the people around them, right, surely we're on par with the talent around the quarterback position that Ole Miss has. And look what they do. Yeah. They light the freaking thing up. I'm not well, saying we're Ole Miss. I'm not saying we're going to have 500 yards and 17 minutes of offense, but I'd like to see a little more than I see. No, no, I, I'm with you, right? And and that's part of them having, you know, that's part of the conversation, right, is is a freshman quarterback versus a senior quarterback. And, you know, and, and uh, you know, their quarterback is always – Chad Kelly's always had a live arm, and, you know, there's sort of NFL bloodlines there. And so, um, you know, that 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 would be a nice place to be. I mean, good gosh, if we had a fifth-year, you know, senior uh, that was a known sort of, you know, pass – you know, quarterback, a known passer, uh, you know, you could take the – you know, it would be amazing what we could produce, right? We're just not there, and so it's it's a little bit unfortunate that God, we got all this talent at wide receiver and, and a freshman quarterback, but then it's also a little bit good, right? Because it gives it gives an opportunity to support the quarterback through his growth, and so yeah, there's a little bit of bad that we got to take with the good, and I guess that's how I look at it. And and net net, I'm I'm bullish for it. No, absolutely. But let me just say very quickly, when I look at his stat line in this game, 20 of 33 for 262 yards and two touchdowns and no picks, right? What's key there? No picks. What also have I spoke about in years past with the A.J. McCarrens and the Greg McElroys of the world, right? Yep. 20, of three, 20 of 30 for 200 yards. So, so I guess what's interesting is you look at his stat line. If I had not watched the game and just looked at the stat line, I'm like – this is Alabama quarterback type of stats. And so maybe it's the fact that we left so much on the table, and maybe that goes back to the embarrassment of riches. Because we left a lot of stuff on the table 
but yet he was still 20 of 33 for 262 yards. Yeah. Yeah. What else? Um, you know, and I think, you know, we've, t- I think we've kind of beat that, right? I mean, there's going to be some growing pains here and there's going to be some things that we like and we don't like. And I, th- I think by the end of the year, it's going to be, you know, some of this is going to start to come, come together in a way. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. Um, and, and, and the last couple of years, you know, we've both in, in different ways, we've both kind of said, gosh, I wish after after going through this, I wish the quarterback were coming back. And um, and this year that will happen. <laughs> we may say, gosh, I wish Lane Kiffin were coming back. And, you know, that'll be another conversation for another day. But, you know, I think I think by the by the time the season rolls around, uh, you know, we get in the last third of the season, we're going to really start to see some things gel. In this stretch, this is like this is going to be like a growth stretch through uh, the rest of October, coming through the bye, and and you know we can talk about you know Arkansas and Tennessee and A and M and and you know what what we may think about them, but I think this is going to be uh a, you know a trial by fire these next three weeks, and I think Jalen's going to come out of this uh, really grown up. Uh, for it, but let's talk about some of the other freshmen that are contributing. And in my mind's eye, I want to go wants to go straight to Jacobs. Uh, you know, take us somewhere else, or take us to Jacobs. What else caught your eye? Well, no, I, you know, talking about Jacobs for a second, I was intrigued by how they worked Damon Harris. I mean, Saban said after the game that you know he's he's had apparently a high ankle sprain, which I'm glad that that's all it was, mm-hmm. and that we were going to work him back into the game. Well. It was, you know, he finished with two carries for the game. And what was very interesting is he got the first, excuse me, he got the second carry of the game after Joshua Jacobs. So Jacobs starts the game. He gets the second carry for the game on third and nine, and he gets seven yards to the Kentucky 31. And here it is, fourth and short. And this is before Jonah Williams has his false start. And Damon Harris is like running back to the huddle, like, okay, I'm ready to get this. Fourth and one, fourth and two. Uh, I think at the time, you know, during the game, I thought it was fourth and one, but the stats were showing fourth and two. And and I think he's all excited to, you know, let me get in here and get this. And then he gets pulled, and uh, Jacobs comes back in the game. And, and, and you could tell he was very frustrated that he had gotten pulled out of the game. And so I found it interesting real quick before we go to Jacobs that Harris gets a second carry of the game, then he gets the first carry of the second quarter, and then they shut him down, and he doesn't get another carry the whole game. I thought that was just very interesting. If you're going to work a guy back in, don't you think it's kind of odd you only did two carries? Yes and no. I, I kind of see this from the other side of the coin. I I think if it weren't, and I think, look, I think Saban, since he's become a grandfather, has been a little, you know, is a little more sentimental about some things, and so Damon Harris. You know, uh, Damian Harris, the opportunity to play against Kentucky, obviously he wants to participate in this game. You can't keep him off the field. Plus the competitor, you know, wants to sort of battle through. And I think Coach said, look, I'm going to give you some carries against these guys, but I'm going to shut you down because because you have a high ankle sprain. It's the type of injury you can't just come back. And it's the type of injury that you think maybe you can play through it, but it doesn't get any better without rest. And we need it to be better against better teams than Kentucky. So if this were a couple of years ago, he wouldn't have seen the field. He might not would have even dressed, and he would have been walking around on a boot, you know, four years ago. And so I think Saban looks at it and says, look, I'm going to give you a couple plays because I understand this is a big deal. But, um, but you know, 
we're going to manage that and you're going to be better and healthier for the meat of our our schedule coming up and you know i'll give you 50 carries next year in lexington i'm with you but if you bring him in on third and nine and he gets you seven he looks pretty nice doing so at the time before the false start leave him in for the fourth and short that's all i'm saying yeah that would have that would have been a to your point of sentimental value right early in the game right he gets a big fourth down right how many running backs live to get the fourth and one that's all i'm saying i understand i think i and and you know when you can take you can go the the point the guy's hurt he's not the one i want in there on a fourth and one and you know there's also hey we've got a plan and it's it's a health sort of injury related plan we've got to have the discipline to stick with it so i hear the competitor i do right i hear the competitor say give it to him but I also, with a little bit of remove, you know, I, I see both sides of it. And, you know, I would not have been surprised if he didn't play at all. And I think it was just a, a nod towards sentimentality that he got to. And, you know, we're not, we're not going to abuse that gift horse. And that's how I, that's how I kind of saw that play out. But Jacobs, and look, just take nothing away, you know, from Damien, but, you know, Poor guy's in a Wally Pip situation, right? Because Joshua Jacobs, holy cow, he has looked magnificent these last two weeks, right? Yeah. What? What? Who does he remind you of? Just give, me, just give me a. Just give me a. Just give me a player name that, in watching the game, not that you heard, but in watching the game, who did he remind you of? Because it might be exactly who you heard, but before you tell me that, just in watching, there was one particular play in the game that he absolutely reminded me of one person. You know, I mean, I, I think sort of in recent times, there's a little bit of Mark Ingram there because his balance, he's not as big or sort of as, as thick, it seems, as Mark was, but he's got some good balance, some good vision. I, I think he has a little more wiggle than Mark. Who 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 does he look like to you? Absolutely Mark Ingram, man. Okay. There, 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 was, there was there was a uh, one play in particular <laughs> Where he made some cuts to make some guys, two guys miss on consecutive on consecutive moves there within about a three yard uh, period. That I'll just simply say this: I haven't seen a running back with that balance make. Okay, T.J. Yeldon was a different runner, right. but T.J. Yeldon is the only runner under Saban that I have seen have that running style besides, okay, he had a different running style. This guy is the closest to Mark Ingram that I've seen at Alabama under Saban. Yeah, he did have a couple of plays where, and his body type doesn't lend itself to, to Yeldon, but there was a couple a couple of times he just had – he just had a little bit of electricity to him and a little bit of uh, a little bit of move, and I said, you know, that's a Yeldon looking move. But sort of his overall body of work is a little more, uh, you know, young Mark Ingram. Uh, maybe not as thick, kind of through the body as is is Ingram, but you know, most of my memory of Ingram and is, is you know him as a is an upperclassman versus you know Jacobs sure. as, as a freshman. Sure. So, you know, discounting all of that, yeah, I definitely see some similarities. I've heard someone say Derek Lassick, and and uh, you know, we certainly remember Derek Lassick. I, you know, I probably don't have quite as, for a lot of different reasons, as as clear a vision of of him running as I probably should have as many times as I watched him. But that's another story. Um, it, it was specifically that twenty three yard pass play 
yeah. that, that he that he did that was just very dynamic and it's a different running back that we've had at Alabama for a little while. And so Derrick Henry obviously was a power back and and how he did things. And Saban, even back to LSU liked, you know, likes his, you know, likes his two and even three, you know, running backs when he was the head coach at LSU. And, and I I think Jacobs has clearly put himself in the mix. um, You know, when, when Damian comes back to, to share carries and, and what do you think about Bo? Um, you know, the, the, the usage, are you surprised? I mean, are, are you surprised? And I know going with the hot hand, et cetera, but, you know, Bo finished with a very respectable 4.2 yards per carry, um, had a nice 14 yarder, uh, but only had five carries or are you surprised Scarborough is relegated to five carries, you know, kind kind of lumped up there with Emmons that had three carries. I mean, if you would have asked me at the beginning of the season, I'd say, you know, yes, very much so. Having watched it kind of played out, I guess I'm not really that surprised, you know, with all the data points that we have. He seems to, and and I really hate to use this expression, but he's almost he almost sort of runs tentative or runs scared. Um, you know, he has a history of some injury, and it just seems that he just, he has that on his mind when he's running. I mean, when he, when he went out, you know, against Kent State, I guess it was a week ago, and he went out, you know, he could have gone back in, but he just immediately almost on the ground took inventory of, of his body, and there was pain, and, and he's almost – and I didn't feel the pain, so I want to be careful, but it's almost like an overreaction based on his history. And I don't know. I don't want to sound unfair, and so that might be a little bit unfair, but – it just, he could still be he could still be gun shy right now, sure. and, and so I just think there's a little bit to that. I just think I, I think there's a little bit there, and so I think that you know when he can operate a little bit in space, you know some toss sweeps. You know, hear me say that again. Uh, I think that sort of opens him up. He had a nice reception, um, and and you know made some hay out of that. I think that he is man. I just want to stamp him in that Justin Fowler mode you know, the sort of the H back. And I think that will help, you know, that you talked about fullback and a little bit ago, I think that he could really be an asset. He could really be a weapon in that type of capacity. And that's where he's got some, I, he I showed like some really nice hands so far. Yeah. Yeah. Really nice hands. And he's big and he showed himself uh, a willing blocker. I mean, he really laid somebody out, uh, you know, for, uh, for a run with Jalen, one of uh, Jalen's design runs. And he really, you know, went out there and hit somebody good. And, and so he has some will, you know, he has some willingness. He's just, there's times where he's tentative and I could just see him in that H back where maybe he feels like he's a little more in control. And I think he does maybe a little bit, you know, he's a taller guy has a little bit of an upright mode and, and, you know, he might be a little concerned for his knees and, you know, he's got, a track record to suggest that that may be the case. And so maybe an edge back uh, opportunity, you you know, would, would open something up for him. Well, I definitely, um, I definitely think that it'd be interesting to see your, your take on that. Now that OJ is banged up a little bit, I'm sure we'll still see OJ go, but with him being banged up a little bit, it'd be interesting to see. And obviously Bo's just, you know, Bo's a young guy, Bo's still got plenty of time, but um, maybe, uh, you know, maybe that's an example of fans putting too much hype on him too early. Yeah, I definitely think there's that. I think that, you know, if you were to start to think long term, you know, 
you know, OJ Howard's not going to be here next year. And, and, you know, could we use someone dynamic to, to in that role? And, and, and you, and you know, of course your mind wants to say yes, but then your mind also says, well, I don't know, we're not using what we've got. So, uh, you know, in the person of Howard. So, you know, I, you know, I don't know. what do you think about BJ? He, he, I mean, he only had just a couple of carries, but he had that last carry of the game and he just seemed to, you know, the carries that he got, he seemed to, to run with a little more want to. And that last carry of the game, it just seemed like he was sitting on that sideline. Man, I've seen Jacobs run enough. Okay, I know what I know how I need to do it now. And he's not going to have Oh, absolutely. I think that was I'm going to try to leave you with a good impression yes. in the carries I have. Yes. yes. He, you know, and he's a different style of runner. He's a different athlete. And so he doesn't have sort of the nimbleness, if you will. And, and, and that's just the nature of it. He's still a very talented runner. And, you know, he was, he definitely demonstrated some, some, some want to lower his shoulder, kept driving, had the leg drive. And so, Hey, if success of one rubs off into success on another, that's what competition's all about. Right. And so I think saving a little bit is, has a little raw grin saying, yep, this is exactly how this this stuff is supposed to work. Well, I will say going back to Jacobs real quick, you know, the the story's very interesting how they, you know, watched him in a basketball game or on a basketball court yep. and you know how they how they picked him up so late in the recruiting process and it does make you wonder right this second. It goes back to the embarrassment of riches, but it makes you wonder, you know, with Damian being banged up and and Bo, you know, having a, you know, a history of being banged up as well. You know, where would this team be right now without Jacobs? I mean, not to spend a lot of time with this today, but, you know, this was a better Kentucky team. This wasn't, you know, this wasn't the Kentucky team that we played when we were in college. Um, right. to, their, to their credit, they came in with a good game plan, and it was a very competitive game early. Um, you know, it wasn't until some – you know, big plays in the second quarter that really kind of, you know, the the end of the second quarter, the beginning of the third quarter has really changed the momentum of this ball game. But Jacobs uh, playing for you with 16 carries for 100 yards, um, you know, it'd be it'd be fun like a video game. It'd be fun to sit there and have Jacobs not in there, right, and see how this game would have gone without Joshua Jacobs' 16 carries for 100 yards. You know, what would be – What's interesting, and and this may be sort of an off-season project, but, you know, were it not for, you know, fill in the blank and go back almost to every Saban team and and ask your question, you know, ask that question about one player. If it weren't for and fill in the blank and and make yourself fill in that blank with a true freshman. And so this year, you know, you know, pick a number, right? You know, you've got, you know, Jonah, you've got Jacobs, and you've got Jalen, right? And that's just on the offensive side of the ball. But last year, what would you have done without a Minka Fitz, Fitzpatrick or, for that matter, a Calvin Ridley? You know, what would we have done without uh, an Amari Cooper? What would we have done without, you know, Julio's an obvious one? But, you know, there's an exercise there, uh, you know, D. Milliner at one point, uh, right? I mean, go back, go back through and, and you know TJ Yeldon, and and think what what would we have done without fill in the blank freshman? You know, heck, I I put Geno Smith in that in that category his his freshman year, uh, the way that he finished out uh, the season. You know, playing every snap the last four or five ball games. You know, you could reason were it not for one freshman, some of those years, 
you know, how many of the, how many of the four national titles do we have? And, you know, it's an unknowable exercise, but <laughs> it, you know, for all the talk about, you'll never play at Alabama, you know, all the recruiting talk, right? You'll never play at Alabama because you'll ride the bench and they've got so many players and he doesn't play for those people just don't. I mean, clearly it's just bull face line. If somebody's going to tell me that, then I, I'm not going to believe anything you say, because clearly you're, you're not even looking at the lineup. You're not even looking at the roster. I mean, no wonder you lose to Alabama. You don't even know who they're playing on the field. And so that I, w- I wish for a moment I could be a recruit just to have that conversation with opposing coaches because are you kidding me? Look at the opportunity that's afforded to young guys. Uh, and this year it just it's like it's on spades, you know. It's so I don't know. It's um, definitely an interesting uh, exercise. Um, no, I'm with you. I'm with you. I just specifically in this game, right? If we yeah. would have had to just rely on the pass. And I guess it would have been like Ole Miss. We would have seen Jalen Hurts run a lot more. It's just an interesting, you know, it's an interesting thing to bring up. And I do think that there has been a conscious effort in this, in, you know, in the past couple of weeks to limit the amount of runs that he's made, uh, which makes me wonder if it was more him and not Lane Kiffin, because Lane Kiffin even came out and said that I think he's relying too much on his feet. And so when your offensive coordinator comes out and calls you out and says you're relying too much on your feet, then obviously, you know, that means there's a lot of these runs that were, you know, all on you. And then I do think that that for him, from a from a comfort level standpoint, I, I think he's, you know, he's he is trying to make a concerted effort to sit back in the pocket and and to try to do the offense that they want him to do. I just think it's gonna take, you know, it's just gonna take time. Right. Well, you know, I look at it this way, uh, and and I and I've and I've spent some time thinking about this over the last couple of weeks, right? And so you and I are of you know an age where the quarterback didn't run the ball, and you know you think of a pro style offense. There was some, there was always you know Air Force who had a running quarterback. There was always a team that had a running quarterback, but it was always sort of you know you know sort of a kitschy thing, and it wasn't mainstream in the way that it has become. And so when quarterbacks first started running, uh, you know, more and more, and it became a little more, you know, prevalent, it was, you're going to get your quarterback killed. And, and, and our style of sort of watching the game and has always been handoff. That's how you, you know, that's how you run the ball. And, and if there's a scramble, then that can be exciting, but that's the exception. And, and, and so that's kind of how we've looked at it. And, and, and to whatever degree that that has sort of hindered our interest in wanting to have a running quarterback, then, you know, then, then so be it. And so if that's sort of been our mentality, imagine like multiples of that Coach Saban feeling that way. And, you know, but he's also closer, closer to it the other way where he's got to try to design defenses to stop the mobile quarterbacks, and then he struggles to do it. And he realizes, look, if I'm having so much trouble stopping these guys – other teams are going to have that trouble too. I've got to figure out how I can maybe try to embrace this. And, but he still sort of wrestles with the idea of I'm going to get my quarterback killed. And so he doesn't want Jalen to go out there and just run willy nilly because that, that frankly, I would speak for coach and say that probably scares him a little bit. And when, you know, when we can talk about Blake or we cannot, but when he leaves the program and so now you're down sort of your, your backup, that probably scares them a little bit more. And so the thought of we got a quarterback that can be mobile, we better be very careful in how we use him. And we can't just have him run around willy-nilly. 
we've got to still be who we are, but let's leverage. But at the same time, let's try to leverage, leverage the skills that he has. And so I'm not trying to say two different things, but I want both. I want him to be careful, not get hurt, and use them judiciously. And so oh, that's I, think, be- I think the runs were very – I think the runs were a little bit – there was a little bit more thought put into the, yeah. the game plan of, of the runs that he made in this game versus last week. Yeah, yeah. That's a, oh, absolutely. Yeah, that's a more succinct way of saying it. But, you know, there's sort of an evolution. There's 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 a psychology at work there, and, that, and that's something I've been thinking about. I just didn't think of a succinct way of saying it, but there's there's been a psychology sort of at play there, and that's going to be an interesting thing to, to kind of watch unfold as well. Hey, let me hit you with a question. This, this sort of jumped out at me right at the beginning of the game. Uh, you know, first drive of the ball game, uh, I think Kentucky wins the toss. They elect to – to uh, to defer and so Alabama starts with the ball first drive first drive uh, we move down to the field get to the 36 uh, on a fourth and seven from the 36 Alabama decides to go for it would have been a 53 yard field goal I just want to get your read on that situation is that 53 yards to start the game we don't you know we don't feel comfortable with that long of a kick is that is that, you know, because we haven't seen our defense or is the defense going to come out strong? Or are we going to be prepared to stop them? So there's a little bit of a gamble in going for it. Uh, is that is that more concern for the kicker or is that more, oh, we've got this, guys? What's your thought on that? I think it's more concern with the kicker and whether and whether he can connect on that because we talked about the inconsistencies that, that he has had. And so – Fourth and seven with a mobile quarterback is a little more doable than a drop back passer. Sure. And um and you also have been very confident in your defense and how your defense has been playing. And this their name is still the Kentucky Wildcats, and so I think it all kind of rolls into there. Okay. Okay. So it, I mean it just seemed that that was the decision. There was no no discussion over it. Oh no, from this distance, uh, we're going for it. You know, even though fourth and seven is a long down and distance. Uh, and, and, and if you think about it, we're, you know, there's also the mentality that says, well, we're on the 36. If we punt and it goes into the end zone, which was a pretty good chance that that could happen, they get it on the 25. So we're talking 11 yards. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't, yeah, I don't know if they, I mean, okay. Was most fans in the stadium surprised they went for it on fourth and seven? Yes. Was yeah. I surprised they went for it? Yes. I mean, absolutely. After the false start, I was like, okay, we're going to punt. <laughs> Then we had the false start, and we still don't punt. I'm like, what the hell? Right. So I was definitely surprised. Okay. I, I wasn't thinking. I wasn't thinking it was the, you know, let me let me gamble. This is gonna be a high scoring game. Nothing like that, right? I right. wasn't. You know, you and I've seen that. You know, national championship game. You know, Texas Longhorns. This wasn't yeah. that. Yeah. I think this was. You know, defense. You got this. If they get the ball in the 36, I'm not concerned. Um, you know, that kind of deal. Yeah, which is which is which is hilarious because they then proceeded to drive down the field with the good field position and get the uh, and get the first points on the board and get yeah and get the field goal. You know, there was a little bit of me and that that said, "Wow, coaches are very confident and that we've got this game." Um, you know, just a you know, not even a second thought. We're going to go for it on a fourth and seven. Not even call a timeout to think about it. Yeah, not even just you know, guys, just go, just go do it. And and, and you know, and of course, you know, we almost converted, and, and it was ironic, right, that they went out and 
they went out and scored. Unfortunately, it was just a field goal. But, you know, I, th- I thought that was interesting. I thought it multiple times during the game, and we can park on this more when we get to, you know, or at least a, a component of this when we get to special teams. But at various times during the game, and, and this being an example, I think our coaching staff, I think Saban's plan was, I just want to get up on these guys early so that we can get a lot more reps to Cooper Bateman. And and we never got, you know, Coach has a number in his mind. And I almost want to go back and, you know, I wish I had the time to sort of plot, you know, some, you know, games sort of over time. And at what point differential sort of relative to, you know, quarter of the game, does he start to start to bring in his backups? And he knew that he wanted to play Cooper some and that he wanted to play them with the starters. And I just think he was, he you know, and could he have done it earlier? Yeah, but there was a yes, number he, he had in mind that didn't happen. And uh, I, I think that, you know, could he re- rotate it in a, a series, any of that? Yes, of course, obviously. But he has a, uh, he has a number where he wanted to just hand the reins over, which is a different thing. And he didn't get that number until much later, and he was very frustrated by that, I, I imagine. And, uh, and so Cooper got some run, but not nearly as what uh, I think the coaching staff would have liked for him to get. What are you, what's your thought on that? Well, and, and I think that's the coaching staff's fault, and it, and it, and it runs downhill from yeah. Saban. Yeah. And so while, while I, I respect your opinion of, of his thought process there, or thought process there, um, shame on you. Because you just had a transfer of a quarterback who was the number one or number two quarterback prospect in the nation um, on Wednesday, and now you've got to build up the confidence of a Cooper Bateman whose confidence has been destroyed when you put him in the Ole Miss game and yanked him, and he hasn't played since then. And now when your mobile quarterback gets banged up, if it happens, hey, you're my guy. I'm right. sorry. I'm sorry. When you were when when you when you went into the okay. At halftime, it's 17 to three. So, okay, I'll give you a little bit. Your defense stops them. They then proceed to get the ball. Your offense gets the ball. The first drive of the second half, they go nine plays for 78 yards. They go up 24 to three. You know, he gets paid lots of money. He's the coach. I'm not. But in my opinion, that was a perfect opportunity right there. Yeah, you're about 21 points. You know, it's not a even series kind of thing, but now it's 24 to three. It feels a little bit better. Your defense just stopped them with all the adjustments after halftime. I think he should have come in right then. Yeah, and and even even if you know, and that was the even if you know that had been the plan, and you prepped both of the quarterbacks, and so both kind of knew what was going on. You know, you could say, "I'm just giving you a series here." I. You know, in hindsight's twenty twenty, I think that he wanted to get it up. You know, and that was three scores, maybe get it up to four. I don't know, but there was a point where, you know, I think he would have just, you know, pulled Jalen, and and that's what he wanted as opposed to, I'm going to just give him a series because there's also the reality, and 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 so you know, counter, you know, juxtapose this. There's also the reality that Jason's or Jalen is is still just a true freshman himself, right? That has not changed. And so there's still the the idea that he needs to get as many reps as he can get too. And so, yeah, but you got to have your backup ready. Yeah. You're about to go through the gauntlet, yeah. right? You're about to go through the gauntlet. Your quarterback, your quarterback got crushed in the Ole Miss game, and because he's a big guy, build wise, and you know he's got some strength about him, he was able to get up from that. You yeah. and I both know there's other quarterbacks like the Michigan State quarterback who would still be on the sideline. 
And so, again, with the blink of an eye, that play happened because your freshman right tackle, who has played phenomenally well, missed one read. Yeah. Missed one play. One play, your quarterback could have been gone for the year with a broken collar blown. All they got to do is pick them up, turn them to the side, and drive on top of their shoulder, and now you can have a broken collar blown just like Tony Romo. Really? Yep. It's that quick. No, I understand. All, all, I understand. all I'm saying is if you're a national championship contender, okay, and everything is unfolding the way it's unfolding, everything you just said about now I'm more nervous because now my backup's gone, well – I'm sorry. If you go back and look at the play-by-play by bringing Jalen in when I said, or excuse me, bringing him out when I said Cooper Bateman would have got two series instead of one series. Is that a lot more? No, but it's about ten or twelve more plays potentially. Yeah, that's all. No, that's true. Um, hey, we did see uh, Lester Cotton come in uh, later in the game at, at guard, and so you're reading my notes, man. That's the only guy. So, so, so we, we play this little chess game again, man. Is it, is it still just trying to screw with Alphonse? <laughs> I, is, is it just the, is it just the, is it just the new diet plan of college football? Well, you know, look, I, and I make no jokes about, you know, the diet plan. I think maybe there's something to that. He's a bit, I mean, he's always been a big guy, but I mean, he looks Look, he, I mean, he looks kind of sloppy big out there. Is there a little but bit? But he played of, very well, right? He did. You don't he see did. any, you don't see any problem. Okay. I'm sorry to interrupt you. Don't you see a whole difference in the running game between the guards when he's in there? No question. No question. <laughs> no doubt. Do you think, though? And, and so look, this is, this is, you know, I gotta, I gotta have a reason for things. I can't, and so, and so, they're not all good reasons. Maybe they're silly, but is there a little bit that says Alphonse isn't in the shape that he really needs to be in, and so he can only give you seventy-five percent of the reps that someone else can at at sort of peak, and if you stretch him, if you extend him, you increase the the potential for him to have injury, and so we're gonna rotate him in. We're gonna rotate Cotton in. Uh, for the sake of, you know, Alphonse. And hopefully over the course of a couple more games, he'll, his, his you know, fitness will kind of work itself back up. I mean, am I just making stuff up or is, or is, there, you you know, is there an angle there? You're absolutely making shit up there, man. I, I think it's more to do with um, – I think it's more to do with um, they're dangling the competition carrot. And they're basically keeping Alphonse Taylor, you know, guessing that, Dude, your your spot's not your spot's not for sure. We can yank you out at any time. Okay. Method to the madness of when they bring cotton in. That's what drives me crazy because now I'm looking for it. And there's no there's no method to the madness as to when he comes in the game. It's not like, you know, a certain, you know, goal line situation or two minute offense or, you know, whatever. Like he'll just come in random. Which I guess could feed to your argument, but I don't think they're putting that much thought into it. Well, I I don't know. I mean, I, I hear what you're saying. It, in you know, when it's random, I, I feel like God, I need to have a reason, and so that's where I go to. And so I don't know if there's something to that or not. And you know, I guess we'll- I will. I, I will tell you very quickly the Cooper Bateman thing. I did find it interesting to your point about him being in with the starters, which is why I think they should have done it earlier, right? Yes. This is why yes. we should be head coaches. If he would have gotten the last two series of the game, you could have let him have this that first series with the first string offense, 
mm-hmm. in the second series with the second string offense. Instead, what they did, which was really Wampus, man, is they 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 literally had the first string people in there with him, first string line in there for a couple plays of that series, and then they quickly rushed him off the field in between the series and brought in the backups. Right. I thought that was very weird. Well, we can talk about why we think that happened in, in just a minute. Anything on offense? Uh, anything else on offense? Or you want to go mini game balls? No, man. I'm going to let you start with mini game balls so you won't criticize my mini game ball. Well, I'm, you know, I, just, I don't know. So go right ahead, man. Go ahead. I don't who, know why you mean, think that would. Who's your, yeah, yeah. Who's your mini game ball? I, I'm, for all the reasons we've talked about, I'm going Bo. Uh, I just, you know, it was a nice catch, nice blocking. Um, I, I think he's, he probably still does have some some things he needs to, to, to get over. But I, I think that he has, um, it, I think his his upside, his potential is just otherworldly, and uh, I think that he may well find another positional home. But uh, I think his contribution, uh, I, I think he's going to make great contributions. And and what I saw from him on Saturday, uh, I, I like some of what I saw. So mini game ball to to Bo. So Bo qualifies for mini game ball, but I guess Joshua Jacobs, as a true freshman, does not qualify for mini game balls, right? Well. I mean, when you take the he's, headline, he's a, he's a known commodity. Okay, all right. So we'll go. We'll go another angle then. I could equally say that I'm welcome back, Robert Foster, who you probably are not going to say is a mini game ball, but I don't care. And so Robert Foster, who was your starting wide receiver, and people would not have known Calvin, Rid- Calvin Ridley's name. Um, I'm glad he's back. Uh, I, I want to see him get more involved in the offense and. Uh, it's pretty freaking dynamic in your first game back to have two catches for 42 yards. Um, we, we've seen a lot of receivers on this team that can't get anywhere near 42 yards, much less on two catches. Right. And so I love the fact that one was for 27 yards, and um, I'd like to see some more uh, Robert Foster. Right. Okay. So do you hear the paper that I'm rustling here? Sure. So I, I went and pulled out the, uh, the podcast bylaws, and uh, and so just to refresh your memory on the mini game ball, the concept is that anyone can read a headline. And so all the breathless media are going to pick out oh, who just had the best stat lines. And so let's write all our articles about those guys. But and so they get the game balls. But our mini game ball is who made sort of an under the radar contribution to the team. And so no one wrote a headline about Bo Scarborough, but he right. made a contribution. And so in your way. Anybody write a headline about Robert Foster? No one wrote a headline about Robert Foster, but but and so you you kind of got it right today, dude. I can still say Joshua Jacobs, okay, because there's a lot of people that don't know who the hell he is, and we had a lot of good conversation. Yeah, about Joshua hey, Jacobs. No, no, no. I'm sorry, you're not getting away with that one. If people are listening to this podcast, they know who the heck they is. know who's Joshua Jacobs. Because this is correct. But the average well, no, person who doesn't listen has no freaking idea Alabama who know who Joshua Jacobs. Is is so i mean come on all right so 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 flip the, flip the field to defense man what what stood out at you on defense what stood out to me on defense um i got lots of stuff well no i've got a couple things too um look I've, i'll tell you i'll tell you something that stood out to me uh ronnie harrison we're starting to use him and this is i'm going sort of deep in the meat right Ronnie Harrison, we are really starting to use him like Landon Collins in a lot of versatile different ways, uh, bringing him down into the box. There were there was more than one occasion that, that we were in a dime and we would take the linebackers and walk them up to the line. And, and the person sort of manning the quote-unquote 
middle linebacker position, the only, you know, quote unquote linebacker in the linebacker space, you know, like literally behind the line in the box was Ronnie. And we did a lot of sort of bringing him into the box, that type of situation. We'd bring him into the box and it would look like we had sort of two linebackers. We would bring him into the box and one of the linebackers would go down to the line. We use, we're starting to use him in a lot of sort of different ways, kind of down in the box. And so we had a nickel with, uh, or we had a dime uh, with a, with, with uh, Ronnie down in the box and I watched him a couple times and he was just making nice plays uh, on the field. And obviously he picked up the fumble and, and uh, ran it in for a touchdown. Uh, that really stood out to me watching how we deployed him. Uh, I, I just kind of got excited watching, watching some of that. And, and Landon Collins came right to my mind. I mean, it's a different player, different kind of, I'm not necessarily comparing him, but the versatility of how we're using him and sort of walking up, up to the line. I, I really like seeing some of that. Well, man, that's that's definitely one of the things that I was going to talk about today because I think he, I think he brings a different level of tenacity than you would normally see in someone two sixteen. Yep. He's not an overly big guy. He's no, only he's two hundred. He's only six. You know, he's six three, but he's only two. He's two hundred sixteen pounds. I think when he leaves Alabama, uh, the guy's going to end up being two twenty five, two thirty. Um, but I think he's just, uh, you know. The guy's just got the the guy's got a meanness about him, and yeah. and and on the play where Rashawn Evans, um, which is one of the things I was going to bring up on on the play where Rashawn Evans got his his you know he stripped the ball. To your point, uh, Saban even commented uh, on his coach's show afterwards. He said, you know, they had had mass prote- uh, max protection seven protection uh, on a lot of third and long plays. And they would keep a tight end and a running back in to protect the quarterback. And he said there was very few situations where they only kept six guys in on third downs. And on Rashawn Evans' play, they only kept the running back in the game. And so to your point, happening here, number one, Reuben Foster has slimmed down. And Reuben Foster, because he's slimmed down, he can get to the quarterback. A year ago, the guy couldn't get to the quarterback, you know, sure. you know blitzing the gap. And so Reuben Foster, to his credit, has really um, – he has literally uh, made his game more well-rounded as far as that ability to to get after the quarterback. And so on that particular play, like you said, Ronnie Harrison was right in the middle, at the middle linebacker position. They sat there and, and, and literally – uh, brought their one linebacker, Reuben Foster, up to the right side, standing up, but they only sent they only sent five guys, so they sent four down linemen and Reuben Foster. But Ronnie Harrison, in the middle of the box, he was actually spying Stephen Johnson, the quarterback. Now Stephen Johnson still had seven carries, excuse me, uh, still had seven carries on the day. Okay, but literally. On that play, when you go back and watch it in slow-mo, Ronnie Harrison is literally just moving with the quarterback, and he was ready to be there if he got to the next level. And I bring that up real quick because back to you know, back to your analogy of you know of, of what he brings to that position is Landon Collins was not as quick as Ronnie Harrison. Landon sure. Collins could bring a could could thump you, but I think Ronnie Harrison is back to that blend of what they've done at the safety position where they get a a quicker, faster guy. And so I think he brings a versatility to that spot 
that spy position in the dime that really neutralizes the uh, the running quarterbacks. Yeah, I think that's going to be something uh, that'll be fun kind of to unfold as we watch you know more and more of the running quarterbacks. You mentioned you had a lot of stuff on defense. What else? Well, going to Ronnie Harrison again, because of his ability to be a little bit more um, agile, if you would, and not your typical big safety in the box, I also noticed when we would go to um, late in the game, Kentucky went four wides, and Saban talked about the fact that they had done four wides early in the season, but they had really not done a four-wide set formation for the past several weeks. Well, in that late third quarter, early fourth quarter, they went to some four wides, and it was very interesting how we attacked it. Instead of bringing in a fourth cornerback, we dropped Ronnie Harrison down as a cornerback over the fourth wide receiver in the slot. We brought in um, we brought in Hootie Jones to be uh, center field with Eddie Jackson, and we literally had three cornerbacks and Ronnie Harrison um, in our bump and run coverage on their four wide receivers. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, that really just goes back and speaks to his versatility, right? I mean, he's a different guy from Landon. Landon was a, li- a little bit you know bigger and thicker and. And, and whatnot. But uh, yeah, it really speaks to his versatility. And so it's going to be fun to watch how we deploy him. Uh, it looks like he's really coming into uh, a, a nice role. Um, I mean, not that starting is a bad role, but, you know, a lot more, you know, sort of sub packages, uh, especially when we get into thinking about the uh, uh, the dime. So- no, absolutely. No, absolutely. But just real quick to stay on this for just a second. We were talking years ago about when teams would go three wide right, that Alabama had to find that third cornerback. And what set Alabama apart is they were able to find that third cornerback. Well, we've talked about Eddie Jackson as a former converted cornerback who is a safety. And we talked about having five cornerbacks on the field. And so I just think this speaks to the fact that Saban, to his genius, has, has is building a blueprint of how to stop the three and four wides and the empty sets with the mobile quarterbacks. Because in that formation with Hootie Jones and Eddie Jackson and Ronnie Harrison, you got three safeties, you got three cornerbacks, you got four linemen who are fast and nimble to go after the quarterback, and you got a middle linebacker who's lost 20 pounds who's also fast and mobile. I mean, that's pretty freaking deadly. You got 11 guys on the field who can run the 40 yard quicker than I can. God. <laughs> you know, you know, dude, you know, on that, but. Listen, you know what I'm saying, man? That's not your traditional defense, right? The four wides was to create a matchup problems against your big, slow safeties. Right. Alabama has neutralized that completely. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I completely agree. And it's something that, you know, if you think about it, it has you can't flip the switch overnight because you, you, you have to recruit to it a little bit. And so, you know, this is, this is the manifestation. And last year, too, right? Because last year is when we first saw – you know, Eddie converted, and, and you know, when we really were playing, guys, we got four corners out there, uh, four true cornerbacks out there. I mean, that was, you know, that was really something. And so to see that sort of continue to play itself out, and you can watch in recruiting, right? I mean, we're recruiting, you know, more cornerbacks than we are safeties, and the safeties that we are are, are lighter and, uh, and and sort of lankier, if you will. They're taller and and more alike in Eddie. Uh, in Eddie. So, uh, it's it's definitely you know if it hasn't sort of figured it out it's certainly coding in that in that direction 
and uh, it gives it gives a mobile quarterback and and that type of offense something else to consider because we're much more mobile in how we defend it and uh, and so that's interesting. You know, I want to talk about. Um, I'm just going to hit this because you got some other things as well, but just the depth on on the interior center. Uh, you know, Deron Payne played well again as he does. And there was a point in the game where, you know, and you kind of called it that Kentucky's going to try to run the ball, not necessarily because they think that's how they're going to win, but that's how they can keep it closer and a little more respectable and they can sort of consume the clock. And they actually did win the, uh, it was pretty, you know, pretty well split in the middle, but they got sort of a little bit of the nod on the, on the time of possession. But there was a point in the game and it was later in the game where they were, you know, just, they were content just feeding the ball, feeding the ball, feeding the ball. And we were playing in the nickel. So we were playing a little soft, a little softer in the box, but typically we could stop the run against a nickel. So, uh, you know, so, you know, take that for what it's worth. But we brought in Josh Frazier in the middle and they were moving the ball and moving the ball and moving the ball. And at one point they got a first down and we brought in Deron Payne. They didn't get another first down. And so it just speaks to what – were, what, were what were you thinking real quick on that drive? Because I know the drive you're speaking of, right? You were sitting there thinking, we can't stop them. They're going to get a touchdown late in this game, weren't you? I, you know, I thought that they might. I thought that they might. And – uh, and I was like, come on, Josh Frazier, make you a play, make you a play. We've got to, this is, this is it. This is the crucible of the moment that, you know, you and I have been talking about. And, you know, fortunately the game wasn't on the line. And so it wasn't, you know, it could have been a lot worse, but it's just, we can't stop them for nothing. And. But what did that remind you of? Did that remind you of the Georgia SEC championship yeah, game? Yeah, I knew that. Uh, yeah. I knew right? to go there. Yeah. Right. And yeah, and it's it's just it's just that's just a frustrating thing because you know we can you know you have a strong sense that we can fix this very easily except for the guys over there like you know sucking air because he's 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 played the whole game. They even asked Saban about this in the um, in the press conference uh, today, and he really. He did. He he gave a politician answer. He answered the first sure. part of the question. He ignored the second part of the question, which which was talking about uh, the depth. I think it came from Cecil Hurt, and you know, we didn't see it. I mean, what what was actually so amazing to me in this game, which also sp- spoke to this whole thing we've been talking about with the depth, is whenever we had early in that game when Dalvin Tomlinson went down. Okay, and Dalvin Tomlinson is listed as a defensive end on, you know, some depth charts where obviously, you know, it's him and Deron Payne inside. When Dalvin Tomlinson went down, I said, okay, now we're going to see Josh Frazier early. We're going to see him early. Okay, we are or somebody else to to your point, because obviously you've been asking for 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 other guys to step up as well. But we literally did not see anybody come into the game. And then next thing you know, you see Dalvin Tomlinson come back in the game pretty quickly, and that just tells you either one, they they know that the depth is not there, which is why Josh Frazier couldn't stop them. Because I, I know you were probably saying, where's Raquan Davis? I want to see Raquan Davis. Well, yeah. I literally thought against Kentucky early in the game when Dalvin Tomlinson went down and he was down for a little bit and banged up, I said, now's your chance to show that depth early and we did not see it, and I thought that was very telling. 
Yeah, that's. I mean, it's exactly telling. I mean, we brought in Hand, which is. I mean, look. I mean, he's a very good player, and so. And at the defensive end, I'm not as worried about defensive end as I am, you know, the interior. But you know, when you think about, um, you know, when you think about Tomlinson, his his size is. You know, he is an interior guy. He is a tackle, and so we have him playing in. That's just our formation, you know, and and. and you know, when you think about a you know a three four, you got bigger you know defensive linemen. But if we had to go a backup like a true backup, if Payne couldn't play, it would be Tomlinson in the middle. And so you know when he goes out, that's a material loss, right? And uh, and so Hand goes in, sort of a true defensive end. And and it wasn't long that Tomlinson was back. And you know I had a sigh of relief. Okay, good, he's well enough to come back in this game. So, you know, we must be all good. And, and he went on and, you know, and had a decent game and made some plays and so all that good stuff. But, um, it, look, it's just the thing that we've been tracking towards. And every week I see every – and not just me, you see it too. Every week there's another example of it. And so one of these weeks I just – and, look, it's like Chicken Little. I don't want to be right. Uh, it's just you think one of these weeks, you know, it's going to cost us. And Well, I do think what's intriguing – I do think because of the embarrassment of riches that they see they're able to mask it better than most teams. Oh, okay. without a doubt, without right, a, right. And so, yeah. so because of Deron Payne is three hundred and nineteen pounds on the official roster. We don't know what exactly he is, but they're showing three nineteen. Well, they're showing Dalvin Tomlinson at three oh seven. Well, what I mean by the embarrassment of riches is Deshaun Han, which is shocking as the former number one player in the country. He has gotten himself all the way up to 280 pounds. And how many teams have a beast like him that runs like him at 280 pounds? And then how many guys have a beast like Jonathan Allen, who obviously is 291 pounds on the roster? So my point is, is they got two guys who are playing inside to to give Deron Payne a little rest, who are really defensive ends, right? Who are just freaks of nature is my point. Jonathan Allen and Deshaun Hand, no other team has them in the country, and so that's how they're able to get away with it. When you say it's going to come back to bite them, it might not, and it's only because they've got defensive ends that are 280-plus that run like deers, and other teams don't have that. You know, I just think, you know, we'll talk about Arkansas. I just think that's a team that – you know, sort of a power run team. They're going to line up and try to knock us off the ball. And, and um, you know, there could be some fourth quarter. You know, we need to get out on them because in the fourth quarter, if they're in the game. We've got to force them into the pass. And they've We've possessed the ball. Our strength, correct. Yeah. That, you know, that, that's, you know, a couple of weeks ago when, when you, I, hopefully, I don't know if you're kidding or not, but you said, oh, the rest of the schedule, you know, book it. It's done. And that Arkansas game, that that's why it concerns me. That's in you know because you think of how they play. How is Brett Belima going to play? Uh, you think of sort of their style, biggest you know offensive line running the ball, all of those kinds of things. And they're actually a little more sort of balanced you know this year than they have been in the past. And so you know maybe that maybe that'll actually play in our favor. But you think about you know how would you line up if you had the horses to do it? And not everyone does, but there are teams that do. If you had the horses to do it, how would you? 
how would you, you know, how would you game plan against us? And last year it wouldn't have worked because we had too many other players, you know, Jaron and, and, uh, you know, take the guys we have oh, now. And then Jaren, between, yeah, between, yeah, between Jaron and Ashawn, it just, it, they were freaks of nature on their own right. Right. They, can, and, they could just take a double team. Yeah. But add them, add them to who we've got. Right. And you say, oh, okay, well, there's your depth. Right. Well, we don't yeah. have that. And, and so that's where, I think, uh, you know, last year a game plan like that wouldn't have worked. This year it maybe could. And so I don't want to talk too much about that game. But, um, look, I, you know, we're talking about him being a freak. Jonathan Allen has the opportunity. This, this is what I got. He has the opportunity to be one of the best defensive linemen to come through Alabama. I, I and, and you could almost say he's doing, he's doing it quietly uh, sure. in, in his career. Uh, he's a guy that – you just, I mean, you just gotta like him, and it seems like every week he's he's one of the guys that has one of the interviews, and and it's just I love listening to his interview because he just he just gets it in a way, and he's you know clearly one of the team leaders. He gets it in in, in a way that's that's really impressive, and uh, you know he's just one of those guys. He's one of those sort of you know and and sort of the the ledger of of my fandom. There's a little star next to Jonathan Allen's name, and you know that's just how that works, right? Oh, absolutely. But I, I do agree with you that that I was hoping to see um, some more depth created, like we just talked about with Cooper Bateman, and it was not. And and from that standpoint, it's disappointing. Yes, I will say that I enjoyed seeing uh, Rashawn Evans, um, and and so it makes you wonder where their comfort level is at the inside linebacker positions because the only person you saw in there was Rashawn Evans. Now, interestingly enough, you saw Rashawn Evans in there with Reuben Foster, and I don't have the number of plays that they ran in front of me, but Rashawn Evans got a lot of run next to Reuben Foster. There was, there was a lot of run in this game that he got that he got to be inside where Sean Deion Hamilton has been, yep. and so it was good to see that. Yeah, and 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 look, Hamilton played well too, you know. Uh, so I like the fact that we're bringing Evans along. I like the fact that we're going to have three guys, you know, kind of in there that that can do work. And and you know, it's funny we talk about other positions where oh, why don't we bring along that guy? But you know, there's that middle linebacker. There we are bringing along that guy. So uh, you know, that's a that's an interesting kind of juxtaposition. Uh, give me something else on defense, or take me to your uh, mini game ball. I'm just going to take you to mini game ball uh, because otherwise you'll steal it. And so um, I was very happy to see Christian Miller, and um, I was happy I was happy to see him early in uh, pass rush situations. I don't know if it's because of the whole Tim Williams thing. It probably was, um, but it was very nice to see him in uh, on that key uh, fumble recovery um, that Alabama had. Uh, that that he was at, at, when 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 the quarterback the the first fumble that the quarterback had right. it was very it was very nice to see him in there um, on in on the sack uh, on that play and um, I was happy to see him rewarded with uh, with some opportunity um, obviously there's some other young guys I would have liked to have seen in there uh, but I was happy to see Chris John Miller for the second week in a row uh, getting to uh, pin his ear back and uh, play that role of rabbit rusher. Yeah, I liked that seeing him do that. Uh, there, you know, Anthony Jennings was in early, and man, I, he just continues to look like a player. Uh, I do think that had a lot to do with Tim Williams. Uh, you know, obviously missing the first half, and then you know Tim Williams, you know, makes a play on his first 
first play in the second half, and then he just looked like a monster there uh, in in the second half. So I think I think it might be interesting to watch the next couple of weeks. Tim Williams is going to play with a little bit of a fire. I'm giving my mini game ball to uh, to Dalvin Tomlinson, and so we talked about him getting you know nicked up and um, and and having to come out, and that happened very early in the game. Uh, because after that, and and I went back and and looked at exactly when it was and and uh, sort of the uh, the play line, and it was still first quarter. It was about at the five minute mark in the first quarter. It was after uh, Alabama had fumbled the ball, and uh, uh, Stephen Johnson, their quarterback, had uh, their tight end Conrad just wide open for what would have been a touchdown. He was in the seam. Uh, just wide. It was a great play call. Open. Great play call. It was a. Tra- it was exactly that's what that was. When you see someone do that, you know that the play caller is dialed in. That's exactly what that is. And uh, and and it was beautiful. And would have connected with him, except for Dalvin Tomlinson jumped up and got his mitt on the ball and, and batted that away. And it would have been because he would have caught that. He would have scored a touchdown. There, there was no way that that wouldn't have happened. And it would have been a ten nothing game, and so I don't want to suggest that you know the outcome hinged on that, but that's just one of those plays that you know is uh, that that can that can have an impact. And we're down two scores versus you know just a field goal, and so that's the kind of play that you know. And and rarely do I do does the moment a play happen, I say that's my mini game ball, and 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 I kind of laughed at myself. I was like, we've still got three quarters of ball here. You know, anything can happen. I said, no, that's my mini game ball right there. And uh, and that was just a heck of a play by by Tomlinson, kept it a three-point game. And, of course, you know, obviously, um, you know, that wasn't the margin of the game, but that was just a hell of a play for him to make right after having, you know, had to go out. No, absolutely. And real quick, you mentioned Jennings. I do want to quickly touch on the fact that when we would go to a 3-4-4 four, four, and we would sometimes, when they were in an obvious running situation, we would employ a 3-4-4, four, four. Jennings was the guy who was in in that package. And so it felt to me in this game that Christian Miller had been pushed into a rabbit rusher role as he likes to do specialties. And Jennings, for the first time this season, felt like he had taken in um, – he had taken that role of I'm a starting – outside linebacker when we do the three four four you know then that's an interesting thing and this is sort of the whole sort of breaking things down that, that we talk about you know Saban will give you a piece of of the plate instead of the full plate and so you wonder those are two distinct roles that two different people had would Tim Williams had done both would he have done both of them and probably so and so I just I mean, think the answer is yes What's that? Yeah, so it gave them some. It, I think the answer is yes, and so and so the good news is it gave them some run, which we might go back and pat ourselves on the back after this three week gauntlet and see one of those guys make a make a huge play. Yes, absolutely. Talk to me about special teams, man. You know, well, we talked about the whole kicking situation, so we don't need to go back over that as far as as far as how they did things, as far as the as far as the field goal uh, field goal choice was concerned. Um, you know, when, you know I, I, the one, I'll say one thing, and this played out exactly the way we've said it the last two weeks. You know, Adam was two for three. He hit a twenty-four, and he hit a forty-four, and then he missed a thirty-five. Um, no, absolutely, absolutely. Now, I I will say uh, he took all seven kickoffs, which was yep. interesting. Yep, uh, he did have four touchbacks, which was nice. Um, J.K. Scott got no work. I mean, he had one punt, and so what did he do? He kicked a fifty-eight yarder. 
Yep. Um, you know, I, I will say for the listeners that the, the thing that really jumped out at me uh, was the myth on the ball by Tony Brown. Yes. Yes. And so, and so, you know, as I'm sitting here watching this, you, you have to, you have to, you have to feel a little bit for Tony Brown. And so obviously we don't know what happened behind the scenes. And I love the fact that Saban keeps things private because it's none of our damn business. And so when you think of what he's been through since the semifinal game last year to this is his first time in the game this season, right? On the one punt, that's the only punt that happened in the game. Yep. And that's what happened. And that just shows you God has a sense of humor. Yeah, I I agree with that. Um, and and so, yeah, he was down there, made a good play. He did, you know, just went right through the wickets. And, uh, I, you know, you said something, you know, that Saban keeps things private. Uh, you know, since we're talking about special teams, uh, I guess Xavier and Marks wish that Saban kept a few things more in-house. Yes, yes. I, I guess we I guess we can focus on that real quick for a second. You know, he even said in his press conference today, you know, when someone asked him about Eddie Jackson and he talked about his yeah. vision and they were talking about how he's able to run with the ball. But he said, you know, we've 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 missed some opportunities to gain field position and we've we've misjudged some balls. And and he clearly said, you know, Eddie Jackson has a really good knack with that. And so is that veteran leadership? Probably so. And um, I think uh, unless Eddie gets hurt, uh, okay, if Eddie's just a little banged up in a game, I think we still see him out there, even if it's just fair catching the ball. Because um, no, no matter no matter what no matter what Marks did on that great return, which was awesome, um, I think Coach Saban would rather Eddie Jackson fair catch the ball at the right yard line than anything else. Well, I you know. Mark's taking the ball out of the end zone. I have no idea what he was thinking. And Saban was just livid. I mean, clearly just walked out on the field and was just, I don't know how much of that they showed on TV, but oh man. And, and, and he would just light into him. I mean, he walked out on the field and just greeted him with a earful I walked him all the way to the, to the sideline. And then went and then talked to him. He turned at least two or three times. He turned and walked away and came back. And uh, at one point there was a, a, a just another one of the, the sort of the sideline coaches and uh, that just <laughs> it was trying to buffer and try to shield because Saban just he just was giving them down the road. And, you know, poor Marks, he went to the sideline and, and he was kind of toxic. Not anyone wanted to be around him because, you know, what was going to happen. And, and I'll tell you what showed me great leadership is uh, our Darius Stewart came over and started talking to him and, and, uh, and, 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 uh, you know, you know, building him up a little bit. Now that didn't stop Saban from coming over and getting his, you know, getting his, uh, his word in. But uh, I thought that was neat to see uh, our Darius do that. Uh, you know, we talk about Eddie, man, I don't know if you remember, you know, he's a senior now. So this would have been four years ago when we were doing the show, he was, he was getting some playing time and really looking good. And, and we were saying, look, this is a guy to kind of watch out for. And uh, it's fun to be right on those, right? And uh, and I used to always call him freshman Eddie Jackson. And I want to call him um, open field Eddie now because when he gets the ball on a punt, you know, he had one, one, one punt return uh, for 17 yards. But just the way he kind of danced and skated and worked his way 
you know, through, it looked like that he was just about to sort of unlock the, the, you know, the key to unlock the lock and, and, uh, and take it to the house. He was just a move or two away. He just is really dynamic in that capacity. And so I want to keep him healthy, but I agree this next gauntlet of games, you know, Eddie will be returning the kicks. I'll say, I'll say this. Okay. As dynamic as he is, but as valuable as he is as the general in the back of the defense, I think the compromise is you might see Coach Saban behind the scenes like, Eddie, if you're not 100% sure here, I want you to fair catch it, right? I'd rather have the ball in the right field position and have you healthy for these next three games. Yes. I we, we should go back and track how many punts he returns and how many punts he fair catches in the next three weeks? I think that'd be a yeah, fun exercise. Yeah, no, I think that I think that'd be fun. And and we and and I think you know to your point because your point is spot on. Like we talked about last week, I wouldn't mind seeing him platoon at that position. And uh, and and I wonder if it'll be Marks after uh, you know after that deal Saturday. Uh, will it be uh, you know Tavon? Um, probably we don't put our Darius back there, you know, just now coming back, but it'll be interesting to see. I, I like him back there, but you know, maybe we platoon him because I, because I don't want to lose him, uh, at his, at his position on defense. No, uh, absolutely. Very quickly on Tony Brown, even yeah. after he missed that little punt, he stayed in on the rest yeah. of special teams, which I thought was very telling. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. That is, that is. And Saban didn't sort of light into him in, in a way. And, uh, and, and so I just, I think a little bit and for all sort of the, the negativity on Saban, you know, he knows, I, I feel like he knows the temperature of, of his team and, and the circumstances and the situations. And, you know, he kind of picks his spots. Uh, and so, you know, I'm not going to get after Tony. He's been, he's missed a lot of time. He has gone through, you know, some adversity and he made a little bit of a bonehead play on a bad on a bad snap on his first game back. All right, that's different than you ran out of the end zone after you stood and looked like you were going to take a knee, and you've been doing this for four weeks now. That's a different that's a different circumstance. So, uh, so we've sort of hinted at it, and and we've covered some of our bases. You know, Arkansas coming up. Uh, you know, what do you see? Man, I, I think, unfortunately, we're going to see a game similar to we did two years ago at Razorback Stadium. Ooh, I mean, I mean, two years ago. Now, when I said before that, that you know, we're going we're gonna to win out here, that hasn't changed. But this is going to be one of those make you want to take a, a damn Tums afterwards because, you know, two years ago, it was a hard-hitting Arkansas squad that, that does bring the power running game. We obviously were very fortunate to win a 14 to 13 ball game. I think the biggest difference in that game is, you know, they had a running back that had 20 carries for 83 yards, to your point, that didn't get 100 yards. Uh, they had a young Alex Collins that was able to do it as well, you know, was able to come in and, and spell Williams. But the difference in that team is Blake Sims was 11 of 21. Okay. Granted, he had two touchdowns, but he was 11 of 21. And so I do think that that Jalen Hurts is a better passing quarterback than Blake Sims. Blake Sims had seven carries in that ball game, ironically, from the running quarterback position. And so I think that, you know, in, in that game, an O.J. Howard had one catch for 47 yards. You know, here we are two years ago, this young weapon had one catch for 47 yards, and the next guy's T.J. Yeldon. And so 
we match up better with this team than we did two years ago. I think the quarterback position is is being played better by Hertz than it was two years ago by Sims, and we have more weapons. So is it going to be 14-13? No, but I do think that we could sit here and see a 21-13 to game and equally be – it won't be a one-point game, but a 21 to 13 game, and you know, that's we're going to get a touchdown late to make it 21 to 13, which is still going to make people be nervous. Right. Right. No, you know, they're more balanced than, than we've seen them be. And hopefully, you know, hopefully I, I can actually play in our favor, but uh, you know, I think they're going to lean towards the power run. They're going to test our depth on defense, all the things that we've talked about, you know, with, with this, with these next three games coming up, we really need, I'm going to give you two scores. We need to make a statement in this game against Arkansas. And so we need the score to be, you know, 35 to seven. What I think the score will be is something in the neighborhood of 24 to 17. And it's going to be, um, you know, a little closer even than, than what you were thinking. And it's, but it's going to be sort of frustrating in that way where the whole game and look, part of this is, is just us being spoiled Alabama fans where, I'm not, you know, we are not used to the game remaining a contest through the full four quarters. And so it becomes uncomfortable, you know, to enter the fourth quarter with a game in jeopardy. We don't like that feeling. Uh, but I think that's what this game is going to be. And, and you know, it'll be another one of those games. You know, thank goodness that one's over. I'm glad that one's done. And that's, that's what this game will be. Um, I, I think it's in the neighborhood of 24-17, something like that. Well, I think either one of our scores, uh, fans will be very frustrated by that. But I do think on the road, um, another tough environment to play. They always play us tough at, at their house. And um, I definitely think it'll be a, uh, it will be a game that will be in doubt after quarter three, and that will definitely piss a lot of people off. Yeah. You know, I've, I'm glad that, you know, this team and especially, you know, Jalen, you know, because he is the quarterback – uh, has the experience of of playing at Ole Miss uh, a couple of weeks ago. Obviously, that contest was was up. Uh, you know, the, you know, we the team was down early, and then and then the game was still contested late. Uh, and so, you know, he has some of that in his tank to draw from. And I think that he has this experience against Kentucky, where you know he came out sort of scatter shot. He regrouped himself, and so he needs to sort of merge those together. And, and the team and the play call and all of that. And we need to say, look, we need to make a statement and we need to start strong and early in this game. And we need to take the fight to them really maybe before they're ready for it. And if we can jump up on them, then, you know, that's what we need. But, man, I don't – like I said, I would love 35-7. to 7. That's what we need, uh, that type of statement. I don't know that we get it. So, you know. It'll be a no, no, I'm, and I'm with you, man. But the I will say the the adversity that they faced against Ole Miss, um, you know, I think it will be huge for for these next two road games. I agree. I agree. Well, I can't wait. I mean, it's going to be fun. Uh, you know, I want the you know team take your time getting ready, do everything that you need to do. But at the same time, I can't wait for Saturday to be here so we can watch it. And, no, absolutely, man. And then and, and we'll come back and talk about it again. So. Hey, this has been another edition of the Alabama Football Podcast. Thanks for listening. Roll Tide. Thanks for listening to the Alabama Football Podcast. We love that you're tuned in and hope that you enjoyed the show. We encourage you to reach out and let us know what you like, where we can improve, or just to shout out a Roll Tide. We are where you are. iTunes, Facebook, 
Twitter, email newsletters, t-shirts, free roster downloads, and of course, on the web at alabamafootballpodcast.com. Check us out where you'll find easy links to your favorite way to follow the tie. Got that, Coach? Of course. Roll Tide.